All right. Um, our text today, we're going to be reading from 1 Corinthians chapter 2. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. And um, I think we'll only read one verse. 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and uh, verse 14. Uh, Paul has basically, in writing the Corinthian church, been contrasting the gospel way uh, God's way with the way that was prominent in Corinth at the time, which was uh, classical Greek learning and rhetoric and all that sort of thing. And the Corinthians were really infatuated by this. And Paul says, I didn't come to you in that way, but in the demonstration of power with simple, powerful gospel language. But in saying that, he kind of elaborates and he says in uh, chapter 2, verse 14, uh, 1 Corinthians 2, 14, the natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him, and he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. So I just want to talk today uh, on perhaps an interesting topic, which is God's way is the normal way. Now, Paul uses that word natural, the natural person, natural man, natural person, uh, to describe the unbeliever. That is someone who's not spiritual, who's not governed supernaturally. That is, that's not indwelt by the Holy Spirit, hasn't trusted in Christ, is not a believer. And notice that he says there, the natural person not does not accept the things of the Spirit of God or receive them. But he cannot because they're spiritually discerned. Now what he's saying there, and it's a point that we really need to understand because we encounter unbelievers, friends, relatives, and we, we sometimes think it's merely a matter of them getting the right information. If we simply acquaint them with gospel truth, they'll say, oh, well, obviously that's true. I need to trust in Christ. I've been wrong, and I need to be right. Well, that's correct, but Paul said that's not sufficient. The reason is because their, their spiritual eyes are blinded and closed, and they need the Holy Spirit to open up their eyes and heart to the truth, because spiritual things, things when it, the Bible says spiritual, by the way, it's not some sort of vague word like, oh, I'm a spiritual person. Spiritual means governed by the Spirit of God, governed by the things of God. But for that to happen, we have to have the Holy Spirit. And therefore, the Holy Spirit has to open someone's heart so that that person can understand spiritual things. So that's what Paul's saying. Now, I want to basically, in the next couple of minutes, go from there to kind of an elaboration. Uh, unbelievers, what Paul calls the natural man, because they don't have this spiritual discernment. They can't really make sense of God's world. Because think about it. God's world is made of God's way. And we were made, created in God's image, to live in God's way, in God's world. What's one of my adages, right? Uh, this is a God-rigged universe. So if you don't live in God's universe, God's way, strange discrepancies happen. It's though, and everybody here is sort of acquainted with software, it's like, uh, an architect gets in a, a word processing program 
and says, I'm going to create a beautiful uh, architectural rendering. Well, it doesn't understand. The people who wrote the word processing program wrote it so that you could write words, not so that you could create architectural plans. And I don't care how hard he worked, it's not going to happen because that wasn't in the design. Well, living a life contrary to God's way is not according to the design. And if you want to know why people who live lives intentionally turned away from God end up wrecking their lives one way or another, it's because they're operating contrary to God's design. In other words, God didn't make them to live that way. On the flip side of that, the only life of fulfillment and joy on this earth is a life lived according to God's way. It won't believe, doesn't mean there won't be problems and hardships because we still live in a sinful world. But relatively speaking, you can't live a life of joy and satisfaction and hope as a human, made in God's image, unless you do it God's way. So having said that, everybody understands that, right? Okay, and there'll be time for Q&A if not later. So, so unbelievers that don't want to do that, because they're living in God's world, and they don't want to live God's way in God's world, have to sort of reinvent their own world. And I've just told you something really profound, not because I said it, but because it's a biblical truth. That's what unbelievers consistently do. If they don't want to submit to God's way, if they even don't want to make a compromise with God's way, and that's what some unbelievers do, and to an extent it's good, they say, you know, I don't want to trust in Christ, but I realize there are standards in the world, and I need to live according to those standards. Well, God will still even bless unbelievers to the extent they follow God's law and God's way. But some of them hate God's way so much, and this is increasingly the case in our Western culture. They hate it so much. They say, as it were, they shake their fist in God's face. We don't like your world, so we're going to remake the world. And we're kind of living in that kind of the world. Now, one thing that happens, and this is where I want to make the, well, before I go on, so just one quick example, so it's not sort of material enough here. Um, we know one of the big cultural issues today is homosexual marriage. I'm not picking on that because that's the only issue, certainly not, but what happens is you see, I mean, it's very clear that the Bible is true when you look at men and women. The Bible says, God made man as male and female. And he brought them together, Adam and Eve, be fruitful, multiply, replenish the earth. Well, that's not hard to understand. That's in God's world. That's the way God does it. That's the way you're made. But if you don't like God's world, well, I don't like that. And therefore, even though that's the way it's supposed to be, it shouldn't be the way it's supposed to be. And so we're going to change things. And so that's where you get these sort of sexual operations and modifications and all of these utter disgusting, grotesque perversions. Why is it? Not because people have a little problem inside with someone that they love. It's because they don't like the world the way that God made it. And so they want to invent another world. That's just one example. And this is true. Some of us were talking this morning about uh, surrogate pregnancies. Another prime example. And we could go on and on in that. But, but the point I want to make for us very specifically is this. We live in a time when our culture, including the church, is very apostate, which means moved away from, turned its back on God. Because of that, and because unbelievers that are consistent unbelievers want their way, and they want the world the way they want it, they will try to intimidate 
directly or indirectly Christians, into thinking that God's way is the abnormal way. Let me give you some examples of that. Um, if you believe that uh, <clears throat> sex should be reserved for marriage, if you believe that what we're doing today, opening up the Word of God, spending time in prayer on Sunday, uh, reading the Word of God, living a life, uh, every morning, every day, trying to glorify God. If you believe that, you'll be depicted, as you know, by unbelievers and in the major media as well these people are just like religious fanatics. These people are really weird. And yeah, they can do that, but why don't you go do that somewhere else so we don't see you? Because that's really weird and strange. And when you have a lot of people in the culture doing this and treating you that way, you start second-guessing yourself sometimes, yeah, maybe that is weird. I mean, I mean, people that spend time praying, expecting God to answer prayer, people that read a very ancient book and think that this ancient book has an authority over them, people that believe that human sexuality should be reserved for marriage when everybody knows sex is really recreational. It's just like going to the park or going to a ball game. Well, that's, yeah, maybe what we believe is weird. But the main thing I want us to understand today is this. The apostate way, the worldly way, that's the really weird, bizarre way. And we need to see it for what it is. It's broken, it's weird, it's bizarre, it's strange. And don't ever let an unbelieving culture force you into thinking that the godly way is the bizarre or weird way. It's not. <laughs> it's not. This should not inspire in us, by the way, a spirit of Phariseeism. Well, obviously we're better than you and you're just dumb idiots. No, we are who we are by the grace of God. But it is true that our way is better, and not because we're better, but because God's way is better than sinful man's way. It is. And by the way, don't be afraid of saying that. If someone asks you, well, yeah, the problem with you Christians is you just think your way is the only way. Well, yeah, that's right. I mean, Jesus said that. Don't be mean if someone asks you, but say, yeah, that's what the word says. And you say, well, in our multicultural world, the, the idea is that everybody sort of gets to create his own way, as long as your way doesn't really hurt someone else, that everything is the same. But we know that's not true, and that's bizarre. And God's way is the right way, and everything else leads to destruction. And as believers, and I'll conclude soon with this, and we'll, we can discuss it further, there's an interesting little aphorism or statement by a young pastor, strong man of God in uh, Lansing, Michigan. Um, his name is Kevin DeYoung. And he made an, in his book on holiness a very, gave a very interesting uh, little aphorism. People ask, what is worldliness? You know, sort of fundamentalist people will say, well, worldliness is, not chewing, to, uh, worldliness is chewing tobacco or, or going to a dance. I'm not recommending either of those. But that's not really what worldliness is defined as. He said, worldliness really, and think about this, worldliness is whatever makes sin seem normal and righteousness seem strange. So anything that would indicate to you, and anytime you hear that living a godly life, well, that's kind of strange. That's worldliness. There's nothing strange, nothing strange about living a pure life trusting in Christ alone for salvation, 
reading the Word of God, living a life of prayer, getting married to someone and staying married for 50 years till death do you part. There's nothing strange about that. There's nothing bizarre. There's nothing abnormal. No, the weird and bizarre things are people that care nothing for God, who think their own way is the right way, who don't live their lives for other people, who live their lives for themselves, who care nothing for Jesus Christ, who blaspheme his name, who engage in recreational sex, who basically have their, their, their own lives at the center of the universe. That's bizarre. That's twisted. That's a perversion of godly things. So, as we encounter, and increasingly, unless there's a reformation or a revival, we may encounter this even more, that God's ways are meant to be abnormal. Remember that unbelievers have a vested interest in depicting God's ways as bizarre, strange, abnormal, and unusual. But don't be influenced by that. Stand for the truth, lovingly, kindly, but stand for the truth. And if somebody really pushes you about, about this, you might want to say to them, no, I'm afraid your ways are bizarre. Why are you acting contrary to the word of God? I'm not suggesting you stand up and yell that wherever you go, but if someone really pushes you about that, or even if you're in a group and they keep pressing, well, you guys are really bizarre and strange. No, actually you're bizarre and strange. You're not following God's ways. Everybody got that? All right. Father, thank you so much for the glorious truth of your word. And Lord, we know that the natural person doesn't receive the things of the Spirit of God. Thank you that you've chosen us and that we belong to you. Help us in this world, O oh God, not to be intimidated by an apostate culture that considers your ways bizarre, weird, strange, and abnormal. We know, O oh God, that your ways are the normal ways. We pray it, Father, in the name of your Son, Jesus. Amen.